Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. Once again, it's uh, Wes and Andy here for Fandom Power. Tonight, it's the uh, top 10 kids show theme songs of all time for right now, as chosen by us. So uh, we were talking about things that we kind of wanted to leave out. I did not want to have any crossover with you or as uh, minimal crossover as I could. And I knew that our our tastes in like kids stuff, there is definitely a lot of crossover. We We both like comic books. We both like science fiction. We both like high fantasy and all of that good stuff. So I chose not that not that you had to, but I personally chose anything that was already uh, that we'd already heard in other media. So like um, the Superman score, which was used for Ruby Spears, I chose not to include that because I mean I could have just you know John Williams did all day. Yes, and I, totally I, didn't, cool. I didn't want to do that again, but. I knew that if I omitted those, then I would for sure or hopefully not have any crossover with you. And I think that we've achieved that because when I got your list, it looked a whole lot different than mine. (laughs) Also, have you guys ever really sat down and thought about like the number of kid shows that really, really stuck with you and tried to make a list of them? Because it's hard. There's so many. When you got to your when you got to the point where you were ready to start trimming, how many did you have? I stopped at 22. Okay. So we were close. I was up there like 27. <laughs> I could have kept going, but then it would have just been harder to pare it down. Same, same here. Like, and like I actually had, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to talk a whole bunch about it, but I mean, I just went like, which I went through all the big animation, uh, studios and I looked at lists of the shows that they had made. And if it was a show that I, that I said, yeah, I liked it. It went on my list. So, I mean, I had things on there like Bill Cosby and or fat Albert and the Cosby kids. <laughs> I thought, you know what, if I, if I leave that one on as as fun as that was, you know, no, 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 going to have a good time. I took it off because I just, <laughs> I didn't want to have that discussion about, uh, about the cause. So, you yep. know, uh, yeah, so then I I kind of pared it down to uh I think I got down to like 15 or so and then it was like I had them all kind of scattered on two different uh two different uh documents. <laughs> we got a nice comment here coming in from Steve on YouTube who says uh I can't remember that many old timers now, you know. <laughs> 
And honestly, Steve, I agree with you on that because there were a lot of things as I was looking at these lists from like Warner Brothers and Walt Disney and, and Deke Entertainment, Saban Entertainment, you start seeing shows that, you know, once you saw the name, it kind of jogged a memory. You're like, oh, my yeah. God, I remember that. Well, we were sitting at the dinner table the other night and I brought up one that my kid used to watch. Sure. Waybaloo, And nobody else remembered it. Uh, well, I don't remember it. It was a weird one. It had like these weird little butterfly fairy creatures in a garden. and Okay. Yeah. All right. I remember so... having to buy the toys. Oh, nice. And are they still floating around the house? They are. Well, then it's had an impact then. It has. Oh, that's good. We are going to talk a little bit about toys tonight because, I mean, cartoons or kid kid shows and, and toys kind of go hand in hand. I so uh, what do you think, man? Should we kick it off? I think so. All right. So, uh, oh, man. Oh, you know what? One more thing. Um just like our top 10 soundtrack list, uh, these are the order that I have them in right now. Yes. That doesn't mean that if we did this again tomorrow that they'd be in the same order. They... And it doesn't necessarily mean like love of the show. It's just the song. Well, this is it too. That was the other thing, man. I sat down. I'm like, how many of these actually work as Standalone. songs? So that was actually part of my... I say that was part of my criteria for, for the order that I put them in. But at, at some point it kind of goes out the window because like a lot of them, they just don't, <laughs> no matter how good they are, they just don't work without the cartoon, yeah. the visual component or some of the other audio components that we're going to talk about tonight. So a few of them work as, as songs and, and where they do work, I will, they I will really mention work. that. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. So, once again, it's uh, Wes and Andy here for Fandom Power, if you're just joining in now. And tonight, it's the uh, top 10 kids show theme songs of all time for right now, <laughs> as chosen by us. So uh, we're going to kick it off here with number 10. I'm going to go first. And uh, so my number 10, <laughs> coming in at number 10, and I know a lot of you are going to say, oh my God, that should be so much higher. But really, number 10 for me, it is the theme to the 1992 X-Men cartoon. <laughs> Yes, the X-Men. It was a 76-episode animated series that ran between uh, 1992 and 1997 based on the characters appearing in Marvel Comics. Now, this one is written by a gentleman by the name of uh, Ron Wasserman, who has been writing for film and uh, TV since 1992. Now, it's the same, uh, the same year that he and Shuki Levy, who was uh, also a co-writer on this, wrote the, uh, the theme song for the series. Now, um, Wasserman did that while he was over at Saban Entertainment. It turns out that he actually went into temp one afternoon and ended up staying for like six years. <laughs> so that's a pretty good temp assignment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as for Shuki Levy, as I said uh, to Eric last week, we could do an entire show just on the, the kids' themes that uh, Saban and, and Levy wrote. And this is just the first of a few that's going to show up on here. They pop up quite a bit. Yeah, yes. I mean, Shuki Levy un undeniably is a legend in children's entertainment, having written uh, over a hundred uh, for uh, over a hundred shows. But everything that he did, along with his business partner Haim Saban, isn't necessarily what it seems. But uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, so in terms of like driving force, there are very few kids uh, theme songs that can match the X-Men, maybe one or two. And I, and I actually think uh, one of those is on your list. Yeah. So I'm not going to steal that thunder. Okay. So Ron Wasserman, he left uh, Saban Entertainment uh, back in uh, September 1996, citing exhaustion. And uh, no wonder. 
but he did continue to write for television, uh, having contributed to shows like the English dub of Dragon Ball Z, Mummy's Alive, SpongeBob SquarePants, America's Next Top Model, and The Real Housewives of New York City. Broad spectrum. All right. Have you been following uh, what's going on here? X-Men is about to come back to TV. Ooh. Did you know that? I did not. All right. Well, there's a, it's slated to make a return next year on Disney Plus. They uh when they did the Disney Investors Day, they announced that, that X-Men 97 was going to be a direct continuation of uh the X-Men series that we all know and love. Well, back in 2019, the X-Men theme became the subject of a bit of controversy because a Florida man by the name of Zoltan Crisco filed a lawsuit against Marvel, Disney, Warner Chapel Music, Haim Saban, and Ron Wasserman, among others, uh, in a New York District Court. Uh, now, Mr. Crisco asserts that the X-Men theme was actually ripped off from a Hungarian comedy thriller, Hungarian. The show was called Linda, and it ran from 1984 to 1991. And uh, that theme music was actually composed by the late uh, Georgi Vukan, whose estate Mr. Crisco now represents. Well, there you go. Well, listen, I don't know what the legal merits to this case are, but let me just play you a clip here. I'm going to play a clip of the X-Men theme just one more time. Now, I want you to take a listen to uh, this clip of the Linda theme, and you guys can decide for yourself if this has any merit. But take a listen to this. So it's kind of weird. No similarities at all. <laughs> no, none, none whatsoever. Uh, note for note. Yeah. Well, not necessarily note for note, but the, the, I, I don't know musical structure, but it's undeniable that there is, there influence. is something there. Now, Mr. Crisco has asserted that uh, this would have happened when uh, they were rubbing elbows at a uh, European film festival. Uh-huh. And that somehow they had stole the theme from then. Hmm. I, I don't understand it. But anyway. Yeah, it could be one of those. He didn't know he was stealing it, but it popped into his head and it was like, oh, that sounds really good. Maybe. Maybe just like uh, last week's. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I knew I recognized it, but I didn't know what from. <laughs> uh, that's going to come up a lot tonight. Well. All the defendants have actually moved to have the case dismissed. Uh, but when I was doing the research for this episode, I found a, a, a legal uh, filing. This is from uh, July 21st in 2020. Only Ron Wasserman, the uh, co-author of the song, he moved to have his name uh, removed from this from the case entirely. And a judge has granted that. So he is no longer a defendant in that case. He is completely in the clear. And like I said before, with X-Men 97 uh, set to come back to Disney Plus next year, uh, it'll be really interesting to see if it's got a new theme or if they use something. this one. I'm curious to see how this, my personal opinion is whoever this gentleman is, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Crisco, I think he just sees deep pockets and is looking for a pay. But hey, could be. I don't, I don't uh, practice intellectual property law, so I am no expert on that. So yeah, number 10, uh, the X-Men. All right. Uh, my number 10, uh, kind of in the same ballpark as far as date goes, but uh, he lives in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> right. SpongeBob SquarePants. Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! I can't hear you! Aye, aye, Captain! Oh! Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? 
Catchy, right? It's hard not to kind of groove with that. <laughs> yeah. Originally airing 1999, it is still going on. And uh, it's performed by Painty the Pirate and the kids. Painty the Pirate. Painty the Pirate. Right. Apache. That's a different guy. Oh, okay. Uh, written by Stephen Hillenberg and Derek Dreiman. Right. Uh, the majority of the time, the theme is performed by Painty, voiced by Patrick Pinney. Oh. And there have been numerous other versions of this one for special occasions and different holiday specials and some even performed by other artists. Oh, okay. Okay. So you can get a ton of different variations on it, but uh, according to show writer, Derek Dryman series creator, Steven Hillenberg's idea was to make the most annoying song you can. So that Saturday mornings, when the kids turn on the TV and the parents are trying to sleep, you have this pirate screaming in the other room for kids to jump on the floor. Well, that's that's a serious earworm. And as like, and as Steve has just said, thanks, buddy. I'll be singing that for days now. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Steve. In the 2009 episode, Truth or Square, we're actually treated to three alternate versions featuring Squidward, Patrick, and Mr. Krabs. Oh, okay, uh, okay. These versions, though, are performed by Bob Joles. Oh, okay. So not the original guy. And taking a page from you, Wes, why is this one on my list? Oh, well, detail. Who doesn't love that little yellow sponge? I mean, it's one of my kids' favorite shows. And when Painty the Pirate asks, are you ready, kids? It's impossible not to sing along. Uh, I, I agree with you on that. kids don't want me to. I am not a SpongeBob SquarePants fan. Uh, like, I did not watch the series. But as you say, like, it's been running for how long? Uh, we're over the 20-year mark now. Yeah. I think we're into the 23 or 24. My first recollection of SpongeBob is when I was overseas in 2003. And one of the guys that I was working with was a SpongeBob fan and was was singing the song. So yeah, I mean he's been around for a long time. Well, three movies later, at least. No, uh, I don't think there's any sign of him slowing down either. No. All right, where are we now? Number nine, eh? Okay. Well, number nine. This one uh, is probably going to be pretty obscure for the 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 majority of the general <laughs> kids show watching oh, audience. It was an eighty staple. It was if you were like me and you got up at like before the sun came up to watch it because when this show came out in 1985, um, it was on at like a really weird time, like 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. But if you missed it, you could get home after school and you could catch it, I think, between 4 and 5. Hmm. Uh, number nine for me, this one, uh, absolutely love this one. I'm still a huge fan today. It's the, uh, the theme from uh, Robotech. Yeah, Robotech. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Not um, vividly, because I wasn't fully into it, but I do remember it. Well, it's kind of cool because, I mean, it wasn't the first Japanese animated series to uh, to come to North America. But honestly, Robotech is still, uh, by a lot of accounts, is credited with being one of the, the key shows that actually uh, contributed to the surge of anime's popularity uh, towards the end of the 80s and into the 1990s. Now, uh, Robotech is, like I said, it's an adaptation. It actually combined three separate uh, disparate Japanese uh, television shows into one like big cohesive story. That was uh, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, Super Dimensional Cavalry Southern Cross, and Genesis Climber Mospita were all combined to become what we know as Robotech, which is uh, a story about what happens when an alien spacecraft crashes to Earth and humanity learns that they're not alone in the universe. Uh, the short version is essentially the Earth gets uh, decimated uh, three times. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, decimated three times by aliens who are looking to uh, to control this mysterious power source known as protoculture. Hmm. But what made the show a hit? I mean, transforming robots were all the all the rage in 1985. So no surprise that Robotech found an audience. And at least some of them came to save us. <laughs> yeah, <it's> so <laughs> true. The theme's composer is a gentleman by the name of uh, Olpio Minucci. He was an American uh, Italian composer. He'd actually had some success uh, with pop music in the 1950s. His highest charting hit was a 1955 song called uh, Domani, which is the Italian word for tomorrow, recorded by Julius La Rosa. That went to uh, number 13 in Billboard magazine in September 1955. That actually predates the Hot 100. Hmm. The Hot 100 didn't uh, debut until 1958. So this is still when they were kind of doing these what these proto charts uh, through their actual print magazine and uh, yeah number 13 uh Manucci was nominated twice for emmy award for his uh, work on the anthology television series saga of western man in 1964 and 1965 but to us 80s kids it is his theme and score for robotech that he is most remembered for the robotech theme is one of those songs that is absolutely synonymous like the show like in the same way that John Williams theme is synonymous with star Wars. Yeah. It is literally that, uh, interconnected. It might as well be a character in the show. And although, uh, the Robotech brand has suffered since 1986, partly because of some legal issues and partly due to questionable brand management, the scene, the theme song has remained a high priority or a high point uh, for the property. It's been used in every form of on-screen media up to and including the most recent uh, direct-to-home video, 2013's Robotech Love Live Alive, which, again, you can take it or leave it. <laughs> the most recent stuff has not been that good. <laughs> but if you're a fan, you probably watch it anyway. Yeah, any but, stuff is good stuff. Uh, in 2021, so just last year, there was some question about whether Harmony Gold was going to lose their distribution rights because of the uh, rights to the original shows reverting back to their original rights holders. But that was all cleared up. Nice. And so Harmony Gold and the Robotech brand survive for another indefinite period of time. Uh, and that kind of puts things sort of in a different perspective because now the fan community is like, hey, maybe we might get some new Robotech. Mm-hmm. Uh, because rumors have been swirling as far back as 2007 that uh, this might get uh, adapted to a live action film. Back then, Warner Brothers held the rights, and uh, at one time, Tobey Maguire was attached to produce and star. Hmm. But um, in 2015, the film rights were sold to uh, Sony Pictures, uh, who called Robotech a potential film franchise. Yes. Uh, and they actually got James Wan. Uh, on board to direct it but uh, he dropped out obviously to direct aquaman and now now director andy muschetti nice should be familiar to you yes the director of uh, it and it too is now attached to direct and uh, as of 2019 he's uh, said that there is a script uh, but there really hasn't been any further updates yeah. since that's so right around that terrible spot though. When, uh, yeah. When the world just kind of went, went for a Yeah. I mean, how else do you, I mean, look at, I just put the other, the other day I just posted for I had a Facebook memory come up and it was like, uh, the poster for Maverick <laughs> and, it, and the poster, it said, you know, coming in 2020. And then I'm like two years later, still waiting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully there'll be some more Robotech down the line, but, uh, Robotech takes my number nine spot. Excellent. 
Uh, for mine, I am going back to the 80s, and I'm a little bit shell-shocked with this one. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's hard not to like that one. Yeah. Uh, accompanying the action-packed visuals, the opening theme to Ninja Turtles is iconic. Uh, it introduces us to the Turtles, gives us a very quick origin, and lets us know who they're up against. Uh, the lyrics were written by Chuck Lore. Oh, wait. That Chuck Lore? Creator of oh, my other Lord. sitcoms like <laughs> Two and a Half Men, Dharma and Greg, Big Bang Theory, and Young Sheldon. Yeah, I was going to say, that uh, Chuck Lore. Yeah, he was responsible for writing the lyrics to the theme song as well as That's voicing awesome. the Turtles' speaking parts. Oh, so it's not the actual actors doing it. It's him. Really? Oh, you mean in the, uh, in the opening, in the theme. Wow. That's cool. Uh, oddly enough though, the version of the theme song shown in the UK is censored. So instead of our beloved Ninja Turtles, we were instead treated to the teenage mutant hero turtles. I was, I was aware that the brand did get some uh, gentle tweaking because of the, the, the Ninja term was perceived to be negative. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but uh, Ninja. Yeah. Why is it on my list? It's fun. It's catchy. It's totally radical. And when you hear this song, it takes you back right to all the pizza and the ninja action and the teenage antics of the show. How can you go wrong with Turtle Power? Uh, I quite like Turtle Power, to be honest with you. It's actually still thriving. So what do you think of the latest? uh, Not the animated series, but have you watched the new movies? Yes, I have. Did you think that the second one kind of harkened back a little closer to I the... do. I, I actually like the second one a bit better. Just I because agree. it kind of played more into that cheesy bit with, you know, Krang and Dimension X. And... I agree with that wholeheartedly. Haven't been a huge Turtle fan over the years, but uh, I do. I have enjoyed that latest iteration. Kind of hope that they do something more with it, too. Mm-hmm. The 2000, oh, the 2000, I think it was a Fox series, was really good as well. Uh, was that the, the one that directly followed on the heels of the 80, was it 89, 89 to 90? No, it, uh, I think it was after the Fox live action one, which was, Oh, right, right, right. Oh, you're talking the animated film. Um, no, (laughs) but I did see that one too. It wasn't bad. Uh, there was an animated series where they went a little bit, uh, aimed more at a slightly older audience before they went to Nickelodeon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was really good. Okay, I'll I'll maybe take a look for that. Oh boy, we're getting down here. We're number eight, so we're still in the bottom half here. We're uh, <laughs> we're going back to 1985, y'all. Uh, once again, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna check in here with uh, Haim Saban and Shuki Levy uh, because the number eight on my list is the uh, theme song to Mask. <laughs> All right. I mean, if you've never seen the cartoon mask, let me just sum this up for you. Mask is literally what happens when you take the best elements of transformers and you smash it together with the best elements of GI Joe. Yes. You get a secret mission force out to stop a terrorist organization with transformable vehicles. And uh, yeah. And then there's a whole second season that switched the premise to like a racing show. And kind of like Highlander, I pretend that it doesn't exist. (laughs) 
<laughs> because everything after the first one doesn't count. That's right. <laughs> All right. The mask theme, uh, as we'd said, like so many more out there, was the work of uh, Haim Saban and Shuki Levy. Talk a little bit more about their partnership because uh, it began uh, in the late 60s, early 70s. They started working together. They're both from Israel. Hmm. And then they moved to France where they started a record company in the 70s. Eventually, they came to the U.S. in uh, 1983, and they very quickly uh, got into composing for children's TV. But uh, the mark left on children's TV by these two guys was kind of marred because in 1998, the Hollywood Reporter revealed that uh, Saban and Levy didn't actually write all the music that they were credited with. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. So no less than 10 composers threatened to sue Haim Saban. His answer was uh, to settle out of court. Hey, it. <laughs> uh, people who settle out of court, who can afford to settle out of court, what does that tell you? Yeah. We did it. <laughs> uh, turns out that the two men had actually hired a bunch of ghost writers and took all the composition credits because by taking uh, that credit, that give, uh, gave them all of the publishing rights and any royalties earned off of that music. Sneaky, so, sneaky yeah 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 however i did find a youtube interview which actually is fairly recent a 2019 interview with uh, matttracker.com the english language singer for uh, the theme song larry leon actually said that uh, shuki levy did in fact write the music and that haim saban was the producer on this one so i guess they get a pass for this one yeah well, they can't be stealing all the time well they're still kind of shady if you ask especially if there's like 10 composers that are after them well yeah. If there was 20, you should worry. Cool thing about Larry Leon. Um, not only did he sing the lead vocal, but he sang all the backing vocals too. So he did it all his own harmonies. So that's kind of cool. Nice. Uh, fun fact here. Larry Leon uh, did a song for another show on my list. He did Jace and the Wheeled. He did a version of Jace and the Wheeled Warriors, but that didn't actually end up getting used for the theme. Huh which is weird because when I listen to the wheeled warriors uh, theme, I swear that it's the same singer, but uh, apparently it's not. Hmm. All right. So that's my number eight. It's a uh, mask. All right. Uh, my number eight is inspector gadget. Oh, let me got to find it here. There it is. That's not, Oh, that's not it. That's, the song. that's it. Oh, sorry, we're back. <laughs> so, uh, originally airing from 1983 to 1986, this is another one written by Haim Saban and Shuki Levy. No, you're not. You're kidding. No. It couldn't be. Uh, this song contains only four words. Inspector, Gadget, Go, and Woohoo. <laughs> and yet, as I'm sitting here doing it in my head, yeah. it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, the music was inspired by Norwegian composer Edvard Grieg's movement in the Hall of the Mountain King, and then oh. composed by Shuki Levy. Uh, when compared to Grieg's movement, the similarities are hard to miss. Okay. Especially when you hear it in a boogie-woogie style, as demonstrated by Kylan Degatialdi. I think that's his. But you can find his YouTube channel, Found Ring. All right, let's play a sample of that. Yeah. Okay, it's totally there. Yeah, you you play that 
in the Hall of the Mountain King, you add in a few extra notes. Sure, you add in a little boogie woogie. Yeah. A lot of people actually, they say when they learn it on guitar, sure. when they screw up a couple times and add those extra notes in, yeah. they're like, oh, Inspector Gadget. Uh, <laughs> I can totally hear why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the theme would be reinterpreted for the 2015 reboot on Netflix by Steven Scratt. Oh. And that one kind of came down to mixed reviews, but, uh, you know, it is rebooted. What it is. rebooted. I don't even know if I remember that. Uh, yeah. They brought back all the same characters, except they brought back a penny aged mad agent to be oh. like her opposite. So like, was that like, cause I know like claw always had the cat, but he didn't have, no, he didn't really have offspring. Was that like generic thug? Yeah. I think this kid was like either a nephew or something oh, of that. Interesting. But, so Penny needed a counterpart. Okay. Yeah. But uh, evil Penny. Yeah. Uh, why does this one make my list? It's an all around fun and nostalgic piece with a classical inspiration for good measure. And in a time when a show opener could get to go over one minute, it made full use of its time. Yeah. yeah. And you knew what you were going to expect in each episode. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when Inspector Gadget was now? Maybe you don't. And maybe it's just me, but maybe you guys uh, who are watching right now and who are listening. Do you remember when Inspector Gadget was played between movies on pay TV? I do not. Before being like a network. I don't remember Gadget being a network TV series until years later. Hmm. My first exposure to Inspector Gadget was like on Super Channel and they would play uh, between films. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I do not recall that. No. Well, we just finished talking about, uh, you know, uh, transformable stuff. We went from uh, Robotech down to a mask and I'm just going to keep that theme rolling right along here because as we drop into uh, number seven for me, no surprise, anybody who knows me, uh, my number seven is the theme to the Transformers. The Transformers, more than meets the eye. Autobots wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of Okay, so specifically, that's uh, season one. Um, if you're uh, Transformers fans, will know that uh, the theme did change quite significantly between uh, between seasons. Although the lyrics stayed the same, hmm. the Transformers. It's pretty pretty self explanatory, like most cartoons, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so again, this one, what this one is written by Anne Bryant and Ford Kinder, and that, those names are going to come up again later on too. Like a few other songs on my list, the Transformers theme is another trip in the Wayback Machine, all the way back to uh, 1984. And 1984 is a special year because that is the year that U.S. regulators had removed most of the uh, regulations that prohibited toy companies from marketing directly to children. That's where we get the, uh, you know, every cartoon is just a glorified 22-minute toy commercial. Bring on the toys. But, I mean, if you can check out, I mean, I don't know if you can see it in our background, but... Uh, <laughs> it must have worked. I was going to say, if you judge from my own collection, uh, it works pretty well. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> the Transformers, it is often credited as being one of the big three boys' uh, toy brands of the 1980s. The other two, obviously, are Masters of the Universe. He-Man and uh, G.I. Joe, a real American hero, but only Transformers can boast that it had a presence on retail shelves every year since its introduction and is still one of the uh, flagship brands for Hasbro today. Now, uh, co-writer Ford Kinder actually worked as Anne Bryant's assistant when uh, they were both at Sunbow Entertainment. Of course, Marvel Sunbow produced uh, the Transformers animated series. 
about uh, that was between 1983 and 1990. Together, the two of them composed for a large number of kid shows, including I don't remember this one, The Great Space Coaster. I know I've oh, come across it on YouTube, but I one. don't remember it. Yeah, Great Space Coaster, uh, The Glow Friends. Glower? Well, yeah, when Glowworm had his own, uh, is that it's, I don't know, it's this kind of anthropomorphized glowworm. Anyway, Glow Friends, uh, My Little Pony and Friends, and others. As I said before, uh, throughout what we call the G1 continuity, Transformers uh, retained the same lyrics, although it went through three distinct iterations of music. But it's the th- the uh, season one theme that stands out uh, because, as I had said, at a time when uh, cartoons had just become glorified toy commercials, the Transformers theme song was, in fact, used in pretty much every Transformers toy Brand commercial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why, man, uh, Transformers, my number seven. There you go. Uh, my number seven, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a little bit bouncy. Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Nice. Gummy Bears, bouncy here and there and everywhere. High adventure that's beyond compare. They are the Gummy Bears. Okay, I'm not the only one who remembers that. (laughs) Not at all. Uh, Originally airing from 1985 to 1991, uh, the theme was composed by Patty and Michael Silvershire. And originally they had written three or four different songs, but the head of Disney animation at the time, Gary Crystal had told them that's not what he was after. And they would spend another four months with no success until they finally sat down with Crystal and, you know, said, what do you want? And he's like, I want something heroic like Robin hood. And after receiving this direction, they turned the song in the next day. And that was that really so clear direction folks. It does wonders. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. Uh, The vocals for the television version were performed by Joseph Williams, lead singer of the band Toto and son of one of the greatest composers of all time. Someone who keeps getting mentioned on our show, even though we're not a Star Wars show. Oh, come on. John Williams. No way. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. Uh, It was orchestrated by Jeremy Lubbock and done with a 70 piece orchestra. Only. Only. But in 1990, when Disney put the soundtrack out on the album, the Disney afternoon, they couldn't get Joe Williams back. No. So the version sung there was done by Gene Miller. Oh, really? Yeah. Now I feel bad because I actually took the uh the the clip off the uh the album version. I should have went to That's okay. I should have went to YouTube and got the uh they're, direct. they're pretty close. Oh, okay, fair enough. But oh, speaking fair. of which, I should say, um for you guys that have been watching the last couple of weeks, I don't know if you realize we've been putting out uh on our social media, we've been putting out uh, Spotify playlists of all the songs that uh, we've talked about. So you can go relive that nostalgia. That trend will continue tomorrow, tomorrow morning at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern. You'll be able to go and uh, check out our social media. We'll have a link there uh, that will take you to all of the songs that we're talking about tonight. All right. Uh, in 2012, though, Alicia Keys would perform a slower version of the song for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, and it's rumored that the Gummy Bears is one of his favorite theme songs. <laughs> you should really give it a listen because she does really pour her heart into it. Okay, I wish I had known that sooner because yeah. I tried to find that and got a clip of that. But uh, why do I need this one on my on my list? It do brings, tell because I wondered. Uh, it brings back childhood memories of that Disney animation block that would be waiting for me there after school. Oh, that is fair. It's catchy, it's uplifting, and it carries such a great message. That's totally fair. And I respect that choice. I, it, I was like, I saw the list cause I needed the list ahead of time to get the song clips and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> what? Oh, Oh, that's pretty eclectic. <laughs> but really, I mean, isn't mine's just as eclectic, I yeah, think, just in a different way. Maybe mine's more uh, predictable. Eh. 
All right. Well, Keep them on their toes. Still in the bottom half here. We're moving on to number six. In case you're just joining us now, it's uh, Wes and Andy here. We're doing uh, the top 10 kids show theme songs of all time so far. It's chosen by us. And uh, we're just hitting the top six. Number six for me. Hey, no surprise. Guess who we're going to talk about again? <laughs> Those wild and crazy guys. Haim Saban and Shuki Levy. Another one uh, all the way back to 1985. In fact, I just mentioned this uh, just a few seconds ago. Um, my number six goes to Jace in the Wheeled Warriors. You cannot tell me that that is not a kick-ass 80s rock tune. totally an 80s rock tune. (laughs) I love that song so much. I actually might like the song better than the show. (laughs) Okay. Um, Sorry, I need a minute to recover from that uh, sudden outburst. I'm so sorry. (laughs) They're catchy for a reason. Okay. Uh, (laughs) 85, we just had all the deregulation uh, about marketing towards kids. And uh, I got to tell you, Jason the Wheeled Warriors is an example of the 22-minute toy commercial gone wrong. Um, When Mattel's Wheeled Warrior toys uh, came out, the play pattern was essentially these uh, customizable battle vehicles where you could part swap and you could combine them with other vehicles in the toy line to uh, combat a group of enemy vehicles that had pretty much the same capability. So if you kind of think, think Mad Max in space. Hmm. Then Mattel contracted Deke Entertainment to uh, produce a supporting animated series. And when they did that, uh mattel did not send over any backstory for the toys which left writer j michael straczynski another animation legend uh, to come up with all the distinct characters and narrative that would allow for a store a structured story now fans of the toy line will note uh, that none of the vehicle drivers resembled any of the characters in the show they were just uh, generic little mini figures Uh, that had no unique features to distinguish them from any other figure in the line. Now, narratively speaking, the show is said to be heavily influenced by Jason and the Argonauts, and uh, no surprise, Star Wars. The series didn't actually premiere until well after the toys had already been produced and sales were already dwindling. With that window of opportunity closing and the toys being so far removed from the premise of the show, it did little to bolster sales. And after 65 episodes, the show did not get renewed for a second season. And like many shows that you love, it ended on a regular season episode with absolutely no closure for anyone. (laughs) What's interesting about this one now, this here's the thing we talked about before, right? If you, a lot of these shows, like if you, if you separate the animation or the visual component from the music, it doesn't really work. Mm. And this is another, this is a case of one where like a lot, especially I got a few of them on my list that have this, this one actually had an, uh, a narration, uh, like an opening, like a, a guy actually narrated a thing. Give me a little bit of insight. I'm going to play a bit of that, uh, the narration here for you. So you can hear what that sounds like. Thundering across the stars to save the universe from the monster minds. Jay searches for his father to unite the magic root and lead his lightning league to victory over the changing form of Sawboy. Does that voice sound familiar to you? It does. Okay, well, 
if you're not a cartoon fan uh, and the voice does sound familiar to you, well, you might recognize it. That's Ernie uh, Ernie Anderson. Ernie Anderson was the voice of uh, ABC throughout uh, the 1970s and the 1980s. He narrated all of the network's promos and bumpers. Tuesday, Mark makes a special visit. I hate it when you do this. And Fonzie learns the power of Ork on Happy Days. Then Laverne's tired of being one of the guys, so Shirley turns her into one of those girls. Split. Right after Mark visits and Happy Days. Visiting Happy Days. So Mark was actually spun off from Happy Days. Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Funny, though, how what context will do when you hear his voice under the, the different yeah. context with the commercial, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. So this is another theme song. This one's credited to Shuki Levy and Haim Saban. But uh, as we already pointed out, uh, they didn't exactly do everything that they said they did. And the vocals on this one are provided by a singer, Nick Carr. Well, Nick Carr, uh, not only did he do the English language version of this theme, but he did the French language version of the song I just talked about, hmm. Mask. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. So Jason, the Wheel Warriors, that's my number six. Cool. Uh, my number six is a uh, small little force here. Uh, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Oh. There's no case too big, no case too small. When you need help, just call Ch -ch 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 Originally airing 1988 to 1999, the theme song was uh, written by Mark Mueller. Right. Uh, this is another one from that Disney afternoon block. Yep. And it's performed by Jeff Passetto, who is most notable for collaborating with David Foster in the 1990 recreation of John Fairham's. Oh, John Farnham. For, uh, sorry. John Farnham. I remember that song. Yeah. You don't really remember their version of it, but. There's a reason uh, for I've, that. I've heard it. I, I've definitely yeah, heard you, it. You've heard oh, it, yeah. but uh, the original is always better. Uh, the shorter Passetto version is what is heard at the beginning of every episode, but this is another theme song that got that secondary treatment for the Disney Afternoon soundtrack yeah, yeah, album, yeah, yeah. where an extended version is performed by the Jets. Oh, interesting. Uh, fun fact on this one, the theme also shows up twice in an episode of DuckTales titled Double O Duck in You Only Crash Twice. Is there an is there an in story reason for that? Yeah, they show up in the episode. Oh, they show up as yeah, they show uh, up twice. Oh, okay, okay. They guest on the yeah, show. Yeah, so it's like a crossover. Okay, I thought it was like that. maybe they were watching, like it was some kind of meta thing where they were watching TV or something. You know, yeah, it could be going that way with the uh, thing that's coming up because there is an upcoming Chippendales Rescue oh, Rangers really? film coming. A film? Yeah, that oh. blends live action and animated, similar to Roger Rabbit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's slated for a May 2022 release and features John Mulaney as Chip and Andy Samberg as Dale. <laughs> okay, so, wait. John Mulaney as Chip and Andy Samberg. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this one's been in development since 2014. So I'm I'm really interested to see how they do with it. Yeah. But uh, what landed this one on my list? It sparks the same fond memories that Gummy Bears does. Uh, that whole Disney afternoon block was fantastic. Yeah. And. Again, this is another one. It delivers the message that it doesn't matter how big or small you are, you can still help and do great things in the world. Oh, so they're just essentially a couple of Yodas. Basically. <laughs> and still get the job done. That's right. Oh, that's a good choice. I like that. Oh my God. We've just cracked that. We've just run down uh, 10 through what? 10 through six. Yep. We're, we're, uh, we're now in the bottom half the here. Top five. Oh my gosh. Okay. Number five. Where are we at here? My number five. 
okay. This is a cool one. Uh, my number five is going to go out to the second, the second iteration of uh, the Super Friends. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Remember last week, my man Hoyt Curtin? Yep. He's back again. This one uh, written by Hoyt Curtin. This is another show that carries an opening narration. Mm -hmm. That's uh, uh, Bill Woodson, for those of you who were paying attention. But Super Friends, let me say this. By 1973, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman and Robin, and Aquaman had all had their own animated series over at Filmation. Filmation, obviously, the same uh, same company that did uh, He-Man. Fat Albert, the Cosby Kids, Brave Star, and a whole bunch of others. But uh, Hanna-Barbera's Super Friends was the first time that those characters would appear together on screen. And in bringing this version of the Justice League together, they also brought along pretty much all of the voice talent from those original Filmation shows, with the exception of uh, Aquaman actor Marvin Miller, who was replaced by Norman Alden. Now, the series is a notable example of a show that uses a narration on top of the the theme music. And in the first season, back in 1974, that narration was actually done by Ted Knight. Hmm. Remember Ted Knight from the Mary Tyler Moore show? Vaguely. Yeah, yeah. You'd remember him if you saw him. More than likely. All right. That original series consisted of uh, 16 one-hour episodes were run several times right up until its cancellation in 1974. Mm -hmm. And uh, like most Hanna-Barbera cartoons of the era, the Super Friends theme was composed by cartoon legend Hoyt Curtin. And with the success of superhero shows at the time, like The Six Million Dollar Man and Wonder Woman, Super Friends got revived for the 1977 television season. This time around, the cast was expanded to include the Wonder Twins and their space monkey, Gleek. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, Hoyt Curtin produced an all-new theme and uh, Bill Woodson got the uh, the narration this time. Uh, Bill Woodson would actually narrate three of the nine, and there were nine iterations of Super Friends uh, oh. before it was canceled. He had such a, an interesting way of saying Superman, but uh, I'll let you guys decide. Anyway, here's a here's a piece of the narration. Gather together from the cosmic reaches of the universe. Here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. Superman. Superman. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, kind of fun fact here, Hoyt Curtin composed the theme for 1978's Battle of the Planets. I don't know if you remember that show. I remember the G-Force. A little bit. Battle of the Planets, or in Japan, as it was known, uh, Science Ninja Team Gachaman. But uh, Battle of the Planets, stylistically, sounds an awful lot like Super Friends. Oh, and by the way, Bill Woodson did the narration on that one, too. And uh, just like our just like uh, Ernie Anderson, Bill Woodson also did uh, network promos. The Peanuts Gang takes on football, oh, tennis, geez. motocross racing. Oh! You're a good sport, Charlie Brown. And then... Perry Como, with special guest star Bob Hope and a galaxy of female sports stars. Perry Como's Lake Tahoe Holiday. Yeah, so the reason that uh, this particular theme song stands out for me is that uh, this one, uh, this one really endured because they would use this theme and rework it, and essentially it stuck around for every version of the show right up until it was canceled in uh, 1986. Huh. So yeah, Super Friends, uh, number five for me. Excellent.
Uh, number five for me, uh, Let's Get Dangerous, Darkwing Duck. Daring death of mystery, champion of right, swoops out of the shadows, Darkwing of the night. Somewhere some villain schemes, but it's numbers up. Three, two, one, Darkwing Duck. Call DW. That's right. See, even I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, originally airing 1991 to 1992, it was composed by Steve Nelson and Thomas Sharp. Uh, not surprising, yet another one from the Disney Afternoon Block. And this one is also performed by Jeff Passetto. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, turns out there are five versions of this theme song. Oh, only. first one aired on the Disney Channel when the fo- when the show first aired. Okay. Uh, the second, more familiar version is used when the show hits syndication. Uh, the third is technically the same as the second, but it was cut for time on the Disney Afternoon soundtrack. And the fourth and fifth versions were used on the ABC Saturday morning airings of the show. Really? So, I guess when you're you're cut, you're pressed for time, and a lot of those Saturday morning cartoons. And I, I've got I don't have one on my list, but I talk about one where like they compress them because like you know how many of those Disney afternoons where they did like two 10 minute shorts? Yeah. So they just take one of those shorts and they run it as a its yeah. own thing. Yeah. I can see why they'd have to compress the song. Yeah. Uh, fun fact on this one in the Disney Infinity game. Yeah. The original version of the theme plays while you're using Darkwing's Rat Catcher. Oh, nice. So uh, following oh, the success cool. of the 2017 DuckTales reboot. Yeah, yeah. It was announced in November of 2020 that a Darkwing Duck reboot was in the works. I was aware of that with one. Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, James Weaver, and <laughs> Alex McCarthy of okay. Sausage Party fame oh, on board boy. as executive producers. So uh, at some point, we should see something show up on Disney Plus. Okay, all right, I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> Seth mm-hmm. Rogen. <laughs> uh, why did this one make the cut again? Childhood memories. This is one that stuck with me over the years, and you know. When there's trouble, you call DW. I keep forgetting that there is a couple of years between you and I. So when, when I saw your list and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of Disney afternoon on here. And I'm like, I knew that it was there, but I didn't really, I didn't watch it as much. Uh, anyway, I, I definitely appreciate the, uh, <laughs> the diversity on this list. Yep. Where are we at now? We're at, uh, oh my gosh, four. we're going to number four. Okay. Everybody we're going to get, uh, this is another one, man um eclectic and probably lesser known uh this one this one might actually be another uh, kick-ass rock team that kind of survives on its own without the show but my number four goes to a little show called the adventures of the uh the galaxy rangers Another 80s classic. <laughs> it's another one that really on its own. Uh, I mean, it and and Jace, uh, honestly, they they work really well as standalone songs. Okay, this one, uh, The Adventures of the Galaxy Rangers. The song is actually called No Guts, No Glory. Uh, it's not used in the end credits. There's another song for that one. This one uh, is written by Phil Galdston and John Van Tongeren. In the world of space western cartoons, I think most 80s kids, we kind of think about uh, Brave Star. Yep. That one came out of Filmation. Uh, Brave Star is actually the last animated series that Filmation ever did. Really? Yeah, it was. It was actually the direct follow-up. That's not true. I was going to say the follow-up to Masters of the Universe, but technically, I guess Princess of Power was. Mm. 
But uh, Brave Star, the, I mean, if we think of Princess of Power as being an extension of He-Man, then yeah, Brave Star was the uh, the last one that they did. But hey, um, Marshall Brave Star, he was late to the party because a year earlier in uh, 1986, the Adventures of the Galaxy Rangers had come out and it had many of the same themes and motifs well, going through YouTube and seeing that I actually mistook it for brave star. Oh, did you really? I did. <laughs> I was like, Wait a minute. Well, I mean, space Western cartoons in the eighties, you had uh, this one, you had galaxy Rangers, you had brave star and you had another one, saber riders. Yeah. So that's another one, uh, another Japanese import, hmm. the galaxy Rangers. It was a, a 65 episode uh, show that followed an intergalactic law enforcement agency aptly called the galaxy rangers as they work to defend the galaxy against an evil expansionist organization called the crown empire hmm. yeah the show was actually considered like well ahead of its time because it was written at pretty much a higher level than anything uh, of its contemporaries at that time it may have something to do with the fact that uh, science fiction legends brian daly and james lucino were both uh, uh story contributors hmm. on uh, galaxy ranger so that's that's a pretty cool uh cool fun fact now this is another theme that has a narration over it but the thing is i could not find who the narrator was um but i'm almost certain i don't know here's another one do you remember thunderbirds 2086 thunderbirds are go okay that's that's the newest version but like in the 60s you had jerry anderson's uh, thunderbirds with the with the marionettes yeah. in the 1980s there was this other japanese cartoon that got imported and they slapped the thunderbirds name on it hmm. thunderbirds 2086 so it's a similar basic premise international rescue we're going to go and save people that get caught in like crazy near natural disaster things but the it's 20 uh, it's thunderbirds 2086 and i and i think that the guy who narrated that show is also the narrator Same. here well and i say that because i mean take a listen to this in 2086 in 2086 in 2086 thunderbirds 2086 in 2086 mm. in 2086 i don't know if that's just like a wink wink nudge nudge or if Maybe. that's just pure coincidence it could be Maybe I'm just digging at something, but anyway, I think they're the same narrator. I could not find out who that person was despite trying. All right. Anybody else out there knows? Yeah, if anybody knows who the narrator on Galaxy Rangers is, or Thunderbirds 2086 for that matter, I'd really like to know. All right. No Guts, No Glory. It is one of the strongest contenders on my list as a standalone song, and for good reason, because uh, Phil Goldston, uh, the writer, he's actually one of the very few composers to have hit songs on virtually every billboard chart. Huh. He's written for the likes of Celine Dion, Sheryl Crow, Chicago, and Beyonce. That's a very diverse list. That's a pretty cool list, actually, yeah. Currently, he's a professor at the New York University Steinhardt School of Culture, Education, and Human Development. Huh. Now, the theme was performed by uh, John Van Tongeren, who also gets a co-writing credit here. He was a highly accomplished keyboard player and an in-demand session musician during the 1980s. Tongren began scoring for film and TV in 1985, and his credits include The Magnificent Seven. That's the TV series, not the, the film. Miss Congeniality 2, The Scorpion King, and the 2014 Tom and Jerry Show uh, reboot, and the uh, Netflix original series, Dawn of the Croods. Hmm. Uh, Van Tongeren performed this song under a stage name, Johnny Vancouver. <laughs> and most recently, John Van Tongeren uh, can be found playing in a smooth jazz band called Trinome. And you can find their 2018 album just a bit further on Spotify. Neat. 
so yeah uh yeah the number four was it number four number four good lord adventures of the galaxy rangers nice uh my number four is again we're going back to that disney block uh ducktales life go. is like a hurricane here in duckburg race cars lasers aeroplanes it's a duck blur might solve a mystery or rewrite history Ducktales. Woo! <laughs> didn't see that one coming at all <laughs> uh, originally airing from 1987 to 1990 this is another one written by mark mueller and another one yet performed by jeff Pacetto. so uh this one rounds out at least one version of the disney afternoon lineup and apparently it was written in about 45 minutes by mueller oh wow and he was paid 1250 dollars for the song but that payment hinged on whether or not Disney actually used it, which they did. Which they did. Okay. Uh, these days, though, he still receives royalties anytime it airs. Oh, see, there you go. And you know, good on him. Ducktales has aired more than in more than one hundred countries and in twenty-five different languages. I'd be curious to know. I know that they say like like streaming is the cheapest form of remuneration for an artist, like Spotify, uh, Apple Music, and Amazon Music pays like like a pittance of pennies on every stream. I'd be curious to know how much money he's making out of Disney plus. Yeah. Hopefully he's doing all right. Cause you can track it there, right? Well, yeah. Well, you, you, you could, Disney, Disney could track it. I was going to say you and I, we don't no. know. No. <laughs> Do you think they're just going to like willingly tell us those numbers? Well, they legally have to tell him the numbers. But Do they? I would hope so. I would bet you they don't. They can settle out of court. <laughs> <laughs> they could afford to. That's <laughs> yes, right. Uh, fun fact about this one. It was the first American cartoon to be broadcast in the former Soviet Union after the Cold War. Oh, wow. So oh, good for yeah. that. Good for DuckTales. Uh, Disney would go on to reboot the series in 2017, and there was no other choice but to use the same song for the opening, but it's performed this time by Felicia Barton. Okay. So same lyric, same tune. Uh, according to a Vanity Fair article from 2017, though. Yep. Uh, a YouTube search at that time would provide you with 362,000 results for DuckTales. What? So there's literally a version of this song for any musical taste. I guess so. Like, you like jazz, you like metal or an acoustic rendition. Yeah. yeah. You can find it. Uh, um, there's a guy that I watch. I, I don't know if I've mentioned him on the show before. Frog Leap Studios. Leo. Leo, Leo Morricone. He is so talented. He just did DuckTales not that long ago. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this one, it's on my list because it's pure nostalgia fuel. It's fun-filled adventure theme that it left a huge impression on not just me, but on the world. Well, obviously, to to have such international fame. Yeah. Oh, that's probably the best one so far, I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, my God. Number three. Now, I'm sure there are a few of you out there who have been, you know, waiting on bated breath for this one and probably going to, you know, yell at me why it's not higher. But uh, my number four. No, sorry. Three. three my god i gotta keep up with my own slides here <laughs> number three for me everybody it's uh, the theme to the thundercats it's another one that you just can't you know you, you can't help but like 80s rock yeah uh, this is it too right i mean it is i mean it is a quintessential uh, piece of the 80s that you just cannot disassociate with 
Um, so, but this is where, <laughs> this is where I wax poetic because what can I say about Thundercats? This is the one that I love to hate, or maybe it's the one that I hate to love. I mean, uh, <laughs> have I mentioned to you before? Have you ever, can you think of another kid show, another cartoon, another eighties, let's be more specific, an eighties action adventure cartoon where the, the main a main character, let alone the leader of the main characters gets in trouble every episode and has to be rescued by the other guys. Inspector gadget. Oh, that's true. I guess he's bailing him out all the time. That's true. Penny and brain. brain. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I'll give you that one. But I mean, really the, the Thundercats, you think the guy who's like, you know, King of the jungle, his name is lion. Oh, he's 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 a lion. He carries the big sword, just like he man. It needs to be rescued virtually every episode. I don't know. I watched it recently and I don't think Thundercats held up. It doesn't hold up. Uh, You know what? There's a theme song does though. It it does. The theme song holds up really well in terms of like, uh, I want to talk about the animation a little bit here too, because it's a, a key part of this. Um, and I'm kind of going off, uh, off script here for a second, but there was essentially three shows that were done by Rankin Bass at that time. Thundercats obviously was the first one. They had like a monster, uh, success. So they literally took all the voice cast. Whoop. You're going to be on our new show. Now you're Silverhawks. And so they did the Silverhawks thing, which Silverhawks actually, in my opinion, holds up better than Thundercats in terms Oh yeah. The third one, if we're going to talk about anthropomorphizing, 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 which yes. one of those words, if we're, if we're going to put human qualities on animals, there's a third one that fits in there, but it didn't have its own show. It was one of those segments of a bigger show. Tiger sharks. Tiger sharks is also from uh, Rankin Bath hmm. had some of the same voice cast, but they kind of work as like a, like a little trilogy in a, in that sense. All right. Well, not that Thundercats did not have any redeeming qualities because it absolutely did. And I will say this, that opening uh, uh, the animation sequence to Thundercats is super, super slick. Yeah. I mean, partly because that's, that's what happens. Your, your intros, the, especially old cell, cell animation, traditional cell animation, there's just more cells per second. So of course it looks like smoother, crisper, but yeah, Thundercats, super, oh yeah, yeah. Super slick intro. Um, yeah, so Thundercats, it ran for four seasons, uh, totaling 130 episodes between uh, 1985 and 1989, tells the story of the last remaining survivors of the doomed planet Thundera. The group of anthropomorphic cats finds a new home on third earth and quickly become its protectors fighting against the evil forces of Mumra and the mutants. Thundercats was, as I said, produced by Rankin Bass, which is a huge departure from uh, all your favorite stop motion holidays, your holiday favorites. Uh, But Rankin Bass had done traditional cell animated stuff before when they did their versions of The Hobbit and uh, Return of the King. But uh, this was actually their first kind of dip into anime. Of course, it was outsourced to Japan. Um, And then for the show's theme, Rankin Bass turned to uh, independent composer Bernard Hoffer. Hoffer had already worked for uh, Rankin Bass because he actually did uh, the arranging and uh, the orchestration for Return of the King. Um, And he also had composed music for the company's final stop motion TV special, The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus in 1985. Hard to believe that that was their last one. 85, yeah. yeah. 
But uh, Hoffer's work on Thundercats led to two more Rankin Bass action adventure cartoons. And as I said before, Silver Hawks and Tiger Sharks. Uh, Tiger Sharks, as I said, was just a segment of a larger show. That show was called The Comic Strip, and it included uh, a bunch of other shorts, uh, The Street Frogs, The Mini Monsters, and Karate Cat. Karate Cat with a K, because it's because we're edgy. That's right. It's like Chuck Norris and his karate commandos. But really, it's Thundercats that has endured with uh, Hoffer's original music turning up in both the uh, 2011 reimagined series. By the way, is flipping fantastic yes. if you've never seen it. And uh, the unmentionable <laughs> 2020 Thundercats roar. Which is uh, hit or miss. Well, yeah. Talking about uh, covers, though, the YouTube thing. If you were to look up thundercats you're going to find several uh well not as many as ducktales but you will find uh, quite a few versions of thundercats but perhaps the most interesting one comes from the 1990s pop rock band the rembrandts Yes, the uh, I'll Be There For You uh, Rembrandts, the, of course, the, the guys who did the theme song for Friends. That music video for Thundercats was actually uh, included on the uh, Season 2 DVD box set Extra Features, nice. uh, released all the way back in 2006, of a copy of which I have in the other room. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's it for me. That's number two. Oh, as my number three. Now I guess. Oh my God, we're in the top my three already. Three. We are. How the hell did we get here so fast? I don't know. All right. Uh, my number three is Batman the Animated Series. I'm not even going to argue with that one. That, yeah. That's definitely a top three. Uh, originally airing 1992 to 1995, the main intro was uh, composed by Danny Elfman, and it was based on the main theme from the 1989 Batman movie. So I am kind of breaking the rules because we definitely heard this in previous media. But uh, Absolutely. But I mean, uh, you didn't break any rules. I mean, I just put that one on me because I knew if I didn't self-impose that rule, we'd had Batman twice. <laughs> <laughs> um. This one is probably one of the most epic openings ever, and there's no lyrics needed. And it's, you know, just the music accompanying the visuals, and they paint a dark and heroic picture with a oh flash gosh, of yeah, justice yeah. Uh, lasting over one minute. It's one of those rare intros that actually holds your attention the entire time and doesn't let you wander away no matter how many times you've heard it. Oh, it's so true. Uh, initially, though, Elfman had turned down series co-creator Bruce Timm's offer to compose the theme, and they had hired Shirley Walker to do it. That, what do I know her from? Uh, Anything? Actually, her stuff actually shows up later. Oh, okay. Uh, Elfman, he would later change his mind and come up with his variation on that 89 theme. Yeah. And it would be used for the first season. Walker's version would be used for the second season. And oh. once the show title was changed to The Adventures of Batman and Robin. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the theme song would also be used for the new adventure or new Batman adventures in 1997 on the kids WB. Right, right, right. Uh, why is this one on my list? Yeah. Uh, Batman, the animated series kicked off a new golden age of superhero animation. Uh, yes. <laughs> In the same way that the 89 movie kind of rekindled everyone's love of superhero movies, yeah, yeah, like yeah. nothing else since, uh, you know, Richard Donner, Superman, uh, the animated series kicked open the door for other animated greats like Spider-Man, X-Men and justice league. 
and the theme's epic on its own, but the entire show is everything you could ever want in a Batman show and more. Uh, I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> Plus, it gave us Harley Quinn, so. Yes, that's imp- that's hugely important to you. That is hugely important yeah, yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. It better be. Is she watching right now? Uh, she was. She said, go West, go, when <laughs> okay. you were rocking out. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, you can't really argue with that, really. Batman. I, again, like, I would have... For sure, I would have had the Ruby Spears Superman, and I would have had Batman the Animated Series on my list. But again, I knew that one, or one, maybe both of those might have been on your list too. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to play the same music twice. So yeah, yeah I, a uh, comment from Zach. Oh, wait a minute, what Zach coming in from YouTube? One, one of the two, of the two I was waiting for. Well, Zach, uh, if that was, let's say that was number two. I'm fairly confident that number one is still coming. At least my number one isn't. And Andy, your number one is coming too. But here we go. Well, you let us know if the if the second one that you're waiting for is on this list. Oh my God. Okay, we've come to (laughs) the number two spot. And this one um might be a little unconventional, uh, but it is absolutely memorable. Yes. And uh we're gonna talk about it here in a second because uh my number two. Oh, I got to move the thing here. Uh, my number two is the theme song to uh, Animaniacs. It's time for Animaniacs. And we're saying it to the max. So just sit back and relax. You'll laugh till you collapse. We're Animaniacs. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely a departure from the style of shows that I've been, I've been choosing up till now. But I mean, oh man, as a as a cartoon theme, I can't think of one that's really much better. And I mean, cartoon is in like classic, silly, yep. silly comedy cartoons. This one that's uh, written by Richard stone and Tom Ruger. Animaniacs was an animated musical comedy series from Warner brothers that ran for 99 episodes between 1994 and 1998. It uh, started as part of the Fox kids network, but was ported when Warner brothers launched the kids WB. The series is currently enjoying a revival right now on Hulu with uh, two 13 episode seasons completed and it has been ordered for a third. Nice. Now, uh, theme music was composed by Richard stone stone. Like many of the composers on the list had worked in both film and television, but his work at Warner brothers was instrumental in the success of the animation resurgence of the 1990s. Uh, he's composed music for uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, Tasmania, The Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries, Freakazoid, Pinky and the Brain, and of course, Animaniacs, among others. And sadly, Richard Stone passed away from pancreatic cancer at the age of 47 back in uh, 2001. Aww. So that's a terrible, terrible loss. Now, the lyrics, and I think this is part of what makes the song. I mean, even now, I mean, I, I haven't watched an episode of Animaniacs in probably 20 years. I haven't seen a single episode of the new one. The new stuff's good. Is it? It's really good. I haven't. Hmm, see, the stuff I read said it kind of falls short, but I, I yeah. don't think so. Interesting. I think it holds up quite well with the original. But as soon as I, when I went looking for the music, as soon as I heard it, I was like, I was nailing the lyrics. And I'm like, oh my God, I do remember this. And even I was walking around the house. Just doing dishes yesterday, singing this song. Yeah. All right. So Tom Ruger is our lyricist. Uh, having started as a writer at Filmation, uh, Ruger worked on Gilligan's Planet before he moved over to uh, Hanna-Barbera, where he wrote for other shows like The Snorks. Remember The Snorks? I do remember that. It's like just Smurfs underwater. Yep. 
Um, yeah, the Snorks, the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries and Pound Puppies. In 1989, Ruger moved over to Warner Brothers, where he created and produced a slew of animated shows, including Tiny Toon Adventures, Batman the Animated Series, and the Road Rovers. Sadly, Ruger, oh, Ruger, by the way, is the creator of Animaniacs. I should point that out. He was not invited to the revival series in any capacity, Aww. which is unfortunate because it's, uh, it's kind of cool. All right. Animaniacs is different uh, from every other song that I've chosen. Uh because this is the first one on my list that is sung by the characters in the show. So that's uh, sung by the Warner siblings, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, who are, of course, uh, voiced by veteran voice actors Rob Paulson, Jess Harnell, and Tress McNeil. Jess Harnell, by the way, an amazing uh, voice actor. Uh, the song's lyrics set up the premise of the show, like most cartoons do. They tell you what the show's about, uh, and introduces us to pretty much all the supporting characters. Yep. And uh, the song... The song is is kind of neat though because it plays with the audience in the final few bars because at the end of the song there's a line that changes and uh, there are no less <laughs> Do you know how many there are? No. There are 34 uh alternate endings. Have you uh have you heard them before? I don't well uh, possibly have. Would you like them. to? Sure. All right. Where's Lon Chaney? Chicken Chow Maney. Penny Laney. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Pinky and the Brainy. Cockamaney. Oh, Urbaney. Hydroplaney. Money down the drainy. Nova Caney. Here's the Flaney. Meet Mark Twainy. Bowling Laney. Frazier Craney. Mr. Haney. Public Domainy. Citizen Caney. And Ramada Strainy. Eisenhower Maney. Mr. Laney. Dana Delaney, presidential campaigny, Bangor Maney, Lake Champlainy, Candy Caney. Oh my God. Here's a show of <laughs> 34 alternate endings. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, in that sense, it's kind of like the visual gag from The Simpsons, the couch scene. Bit, yeah. Uh, although the Simpsons is what every episode is different. Yes. So, I mean, there are, there are significantly more of those, but kind of tongue in cheek, the way that they do that. Yeah. Um, and when you sat down to watch an episode of Animaniacs, you just, you never knew yeah. what you were going to get. So I, I really enjoyed that one. I, yeah. Animaniacs is my number two. Excellent. Uh, my number two, number two, it's Morphin time. It's Morphin time. Morphin Power Rangers, uh, originally airing from 1993 to 1996. Uh, Go Go Power Rangers was composed by Ron Wasserman and performed by the Mighty Raw. Uh, the Mighty Morphin intro is the only theme used throughout the Morphin years, and it would continue to be used right through to the Turbo season, at which point it was retired for a new one. Uh, fun fact on this, even though it says the song was composed by Ron Wasserman and performed by the Mighty Raw, yeah. it's the same guy. Oh, yes. <laughs> While working on the show, Haim Saban asked Wasserman to come up with an artist name so that it would appear that, you know, it wasn't just one guy doing all the work. Yeah, yeah. So he came up with Aaron Waters because that's his middle name. It was Aaron. 
and Wasserman means water carrier in German. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, I think I read that. Uh, yeah. It would be Saban that later attached the alias the Mighty Raw to him. Right. Right. Reasons are unknown for that. Well, the raw comes from it's his, his initials, initials to his yeah yeah yeah, yeah. as to why he needed to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Wasserman he would go on to form the band Fisher with his then girlfriend Kathy Fisher. The two would later marry, and they were once hailed as the most downloaded band on the internet with their hit "I Will Love You." Really, it's not a bad song, but I it doesn't hold up to history. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Maybe a one-hit wonder. I was going to say because I mean for the most downloaded song on this must have been before oh, yeah. stream, before streaming, right? Yes. I was going to say because it's a, streaming. I mean, like the inception of the internet. I I don't actually I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest, I've never heard yeah, of it. <laughs> I hadn't before I had done my show notes, so uh the main six notes from the theme, you know, go go power rangers. Yeah. Are also made into the tune for the communicators built by Billy in the show. Oh yeah, yeah. And those do, do, six do, do, notes do, do, do. exactly. Those six notes are also available as a downloadable ringtone for your phone. As they should be, Eric. If you're watching, I think uh, do you still have that as your ringtone? <laughs> yeah. So you know you can hear it in public. It'll catch you off guard and bring back all that Power Rangers goodness. Oh yes. Uh, why this one? It's high spirited. It's dynamic, and it drives you straight into Morphin Time. Yeah. It's you hyped up for ninja antics, kooky monsters, and over the top kaiju battles. And it it really holds up over the years. It holds up really well. Are you a fan of the series? I am. You are. Are you still watching it? No. Okay. So I mean I, I should say I am the fan of the first three to four seasons. I'm that uh I'm that eighties kid who basically when when Power Rangers came out, I was the uneducated kid that went, They're just ripping off Voltron. And then years later, find out, oh, actually, it was the other way around. I'm, oops. <laughs> oops. My bad. Yeah. Oh. Go Green Ranger, go. Well, that brings us to the point in the show uh, where oh, we, oh, we're we not there yet? Yeah, it does. We're at the part where we like to talk about those other oh, songs. Yeah, I guess we are there. <laughs> I wasn't going that far. Myself. I wasn't going that far ahead. I, we I are, haven't sprung ahead yet. We are at that part of the show where uh, for the last couple episodes, we've liked to uh, talk about a few other songs that didn't necessarily make the top 10, but they still deserve a, a quick honorable mention. And I'm just going to wrap off uh, my three of those uh, right here, right now with, uh, let's see, my number three honorable mention. This one didn't make the list. It almost made the list. <sighs> Another show that's uh, get, uh, got a revival. Mm -hmm. uh, the original theme song uh, to Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock, uh, 1982, written by Philip Balsam and Dennis Lee. Balsam is a Canadian, by the way. Uh, another song that uh, is sung by the cast of the show that, uh, like most kids' shows, sets up the premise of the show. Balsam wrote nearly 200 songs for the show over its uh, five seasons. And, uh, man, it's easy to sing along to. It really is. And my number two honorable mention, uh, again, I should say these, I've listed them three, two, one. They don't necessarily mean that they're three, two, one. They're just the three songs that did not make my top 10. Number two on this list, this one uh, is probably a bit of an eyebrow raiser, but uh, number two honorable mention goes to uh, Gem and the Holograms. Gem. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what, the thing about Gem, uh, this is another one that, uh, 1980, uh, 1986, produced by Marvel Sunbow, 
So, I mean, if you were watching cartoons back at the back in those days, you're you're watching Transformers, you're watching G.I. Joe. And I'm telling you, it made it made an honorable mention here. And I know I'm not the only boy. No, I watch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Gem was a game changer in terms of of uh, animated series that were aimed specifically at girls. And if you have not seen the Netflix, uh, the toys that made us. You really, really need to go and watch the Barbie episode to understand just how worried Mattel was when Jem came out. Like, this is how big Jem was. Yeah. That they were so threatened by this property that they opted did, to yeah. destroy it. Well, essentially, yeah. They aimed to, anyway. This is another one. It's written by Anne Bryant. So the lady that wrote our beloved Transformers theme wrote the theme song to this. And again, with her writing partner, Ford Kinder, they wrote over 150 songs for this show alone um and that's crazy when you think that most of the songs on the show actually stand alone as legitimate pop songs mm. not just like cartoon fare well so yeah the storyline alone you know they're kind of aiming to be that pop band absolutely uh sadly the the movie never got no, <laughs> no not even close all right. So yeah, uh, Gem and the Holograms, that uh, made my list. And then uh, the number one, this one is kind of cool. This has got another cool story. Uh, the the number one honorable mention for me, it's uh, the theme song to Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. another cool one this one is written by believe it or not jim steinman hmm. and of course if you've never heard of jim Steinman, i hope to god anybody who's listening or watching this knows who jim steinman is jim steinman man probably most known for writing uh, bad out of hell for meatloaf also composed the uh, the musical bad out of hell i never thought in a million years that a jim steinman song would be used <laughs> in a cartoon but that's right back at that time i mean we've been talking about this quite a few uh, a few times about yeah. the, the uh, wrestling and music and the close association going all the way back to that first what was it yeah. the pile driver uh, the wrestling album pile drivers two which one had real american on it i believe it was the wrestling album okay so that's the same record that this one is on yeah this one was written specifically uh as hulk hogan's theme that's actually the name of the song but hogan actually did not go with that as no. he decided to use the rick derringer hit uh real american which funny if you look at what rick derringer said about that song he actually never intended that song to be used to be associated with wrestling huh. he talks about writing the most patriotic song ever i would say it is yeah and then you know it gets you know co-opted by uh by hulk hogan as his uh, wrestling theme Here's a here's a cool story though. Jim Steinman, uh, not only working with Meatloaf, is also known for working with Bonnie Tyler, as in like I'm holding out for a hero, yeah. Bonnie Tyler. And the year after Rock and Wrestling premiered, Bonnie Tyler's sixth studio album came out. That one was uh, Secret Dreams and Forbidden Fire. The album actually featured Holding Out for a Hero, but there's another song on there. It's called Ravishing, and well. The only way I can say this, you got to hear it to believe it. But let me just let me give you another sample of uh, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Here we go. And here's Bonnie Tyler's Ravishing. No. 
nothing's original anymore. It's very typical uh, Jim Steinman fare. It's like crazy, like like some would say overproduced. I think it's pretty slick, to be honest. Uh, if you listen to the whole thing, like it's un- it, I didn't put the intro on, but it is exactly the same piano notes. Oh, I don't know what the legalese around that was that, you know, Hulk Hogan's theme suddenly became the ravishing for Bonnie Tyler, but it did. And, uh, you know, for that reason, it uh, made my honorable mention list. All right. You got some honorables you want to talk about? I do. Uh, All right. Where are we going next? It was hard to pare these down because there's so many great ones out there. Okay. Uh, but this one, my honorable number three, uh, is for my wife, Jen. The Hilarious House of Frightened Oh, great song. I think anybody who's uh, watching this outside of Canada, I don't know how many people. I don't know. They might know it. Maybe. Uh, Originally airing in 1971 through 1974, March of the Martians, performed by Jean-Jacques Perry and Harry Brewer. Oh, wow. Uh, the intro itself is made up of two halves. The first is a brief greeting from Vincent Price, and the second being March of the Martians from the Happy Moog album. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not only is March of the Martians still in rotation on my playlists, but it's one of my wife's favorite shows of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, featuring Billy's Van, Mar- Mitch yep. Markowitz, and Vincent Price, uh, the hilarious House of Frightenstein was a sketch comedy series filmed in Hamilton back in the 70s. Yeah. So it would go on to receive international syndication. So people outside of Canada probably did see it at least sometimes. I think it's amazing that a small, you know, Canadian produced series was able to uh, attract and get Vincent price. Yeah. Apparently this is a fun fact for you. Uh, Vincent price recorded all his parts for the show in just three days. Oh yeah. All at one time. Yeah. Of course he did. Uh, in 2017, Groove Vinyl pressed a limited run of only 1,000 copies of a record for the House of Frightenstein's audio companion. Yeah. And it included classic sequences from the show and some of the character segments as well as the intro and the Wolfman segment. Oh, cool. So uh, why this one? It's associated with Vincent Price, and that's more than enough for me. I got a clip of Vincent for you. Nice. Yeah, do you want to hear it? Yes. All right, Vincent Price taking us out. The castle lights are growing dim. There's no one left but me and him. When next we meet in Frankenstone, don't come alone. Good advice. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I loved all of his bits. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. Did you uh, take a chance? Did you watch that? Um, did you take a minute and watch that clip I sent you the other day? Yes, I, I did. sent a, an old uh, CBC clip of Billy Van. Billy Van gave yeah. you there, and he was well ahead of his time. He just dropped right into character like yep. like it was nothing. Flipping a switch. Uh, the number of characters that he played on that show, what did he say? It was like eight or, eight, eight or 11. Yeah. But, I mean, he ran through what? Griselda. Uh, Griselda, Dr. Pet Vet. Yeah, the uh, Wolfman. Wolfman, uh, Count Frightenstein. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was such a great show. Mm-hmm. I think it's still on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, it's out there somewhere. It was, wasn't that long ago. But anyway, yeah, Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, go check it out, people. All right, so what else is on your honorable uh, mentions? Number two for my honorable mention is My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Oh, nice. Uh, i got to find it. There it is. My little pony, my little pony, what is friendship all about? Friendship is magic. I used to wonder what friendship could be. 
I gotta tell you, I wasn't expecting that uh, kick-ass guitar part. <laughs> uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, originally aired 2010 to 2020. And uh, the Little Pony theme song is performed by the cast of the show. Oh, really? Uh, lyrics are by Lauren Faust, and music is by Daniel Ingram. Okay. Uh, the opening lyrics and melody of this one are borrowed from the 1986 My Little I was going to say. Uh, so they have partial credit on it. Sure, well. sure. But Sounds like rest, a toy commercial. Yeah. <laughs> the rest is sung by the six leading characters for the new show. Uh, it would be used for all of season one and the first two episodes of season, season two. Yeah. Uh, originally, it was sung by Shannon Chan Kent, who is the singing voice of Pinkie Pie. And this demo version is available on Daniel Ingram's SoundCloud site. If oh, you that's cool. That's super cool. Uh, why this one? It's catchy. There's alternate lyrics that uh, my kids have shared with me while we were watching it. So uh, when you say alternate, do I don't you mean, mean like, official? I mean, my kids sung me like a little parody version. Oh, okay. So like, it kinda, is it say, is it G rated? Uh, I, I would say so. Okay. My little pony skinny and bony. Oh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, I'll let the kids sing it later. My little but, pony uh, apocalypse pony. <laughs> why this one? You no, know, it's catchy. There's alternate lyrics, uh, but it's uplifting. It really dives in on the friendship is magic theme because friendship is magic. Yeah, man. Good theme. Moving on to my number one honorable mention. Number one honorable mention coming up here. Uh, it's showtime. It's showtime. It's showtime. Leave it to Hollywood to turn an adult themed movie into yes. a good show. Yes, it did. It's like turning uh, aliens uh, into a toy line. <laughs> <laughs> Originally airing from 1989 to 1981, this is uh, the theme from Beetlejuice, the animated series by Danny Elfman. Another Elfman. Another oh. Elfman. It's another one that he reworked from the version that was seen in the, uh, in the film or adult film. Sure. Uh, oddly enough, though, this is another tune that takes inspiration from Edvard Grieg's In the Hall of the Mountain King. Another one from In the Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah. Do I need to play that again? Yeah, we're okay. <laughs> It's too boogie woogie uh, for this one. It is. Uh, it's certainly appropriate that the animation is a roller coaster ride because the music plays like an up and down ride with lots of spooky yeah, yeah, kooky yeah. elements. Why? Because it's Danny Elfman. How can well, you go wrong? That's entirely true. All right. I can't believe it, man. We're, uh, oh, wow. We were running a little longer tonight. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us all the way. We've, we've got uh, 10 down to two three honorable mentions like Time i said for number one my list uh if i hadn't have cut it down it'd have been 27 songs and we'd have been here twice as long but hey we did it and uh for those of you watching sticking with us thank you for hanging out we've now made it to the number one the number one kids show theme tune of all time so far as chosen by me oh this one goes to uh gi joe a real american hero He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is there. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra and Destro. Slight lyrical difference there, right? Yeah, so there's a couple of different lyrical versions. Well, there's two, really. There's the uh, the original miniseries version, which is Cobra and Destro. And then later on for the regular season, it switched to Cobra the Enemy. Hmm. But uh, lyrically speaking, the song remains unchanged other than uh, that and stylistically stays the same right up into uh, until the 1987 uh, uh, film. 
Well, this one, it's uh, written by Johnny Douglas and Robert J. Walsh. It also contains, go figure, uh, narration seems to be a popular thing for kids' shows at that time. Uh, but there is no way about it. If you were a kid in the 1980s, you were absolutely exposed to this theme song. It is another prime example of the 22-minute toy commercial where the theme song is integral. Co-writer Johnny Douglas had worked on a lot of other memorable uh, Marvel Sunbow cartoons, including Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, Dungeons and Dragons, The Incredible Hulk, and Transformers. Nice. Whereas uh, Robert Walsh, the other co-writer, he started as a musical conductor at Warner Brothers in 1979. He then moved over to uh, Marvel Productions in the 80s and also worked on a lot of shows that you may remember, like Muppet Babies, uh, My Little Pony, the original one, Inhumanoids, Ooh. and uh, Defenders of the Earth. Um, and this is another one, as I said, it has a, that opening narration. Uh, and <laughs> I might be biased here, but I'm going to go out and say that thematically speaking, it is perfect. Um, I know I've, I've mentioned it before. Uh, I may have done a couple of years in the army, uh, but this one, yeah, it's, this is a military style briefing that informs us exactly who and what the GI Joes are and who they are fighting. G.I. Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. Now that guy is a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Jackson Beck. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, his work on G.I. Joe is the perfect synergy between TV show and toy commercial. And I say that because he voiced all the toy commercials. <laughs> And here's Gung Ho, Airborne, Doc, and Snow Job. And every Joe has a two handed battle grip. Get aboard the Battle Bear. It's G.I. Joe to the rescue. G.I. Joe. Yeah, so that's uh, Jackson Beck. But he is more than just the voice of G.I. Joe. Uh, he's one of those guys, he's like one of the most famous voices that you've never seen before. Uh, believe it or not, he was the voice of Bluto in the Popeye theatrical short. So that's like way before our time, but they've since been shown on television. He was also the narrator for Superman, both the radio serials and the introduction to the original filmation cartoon. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. His other voice work included a slew of TV commercials. Uh, and at one time he was the voice of the NFL when the NFL was broadcast on uh, NBC during the eighties and narrated a bunch of Saturday night live sketches Jeez, it's all <laughs> over the board. Yeah. 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 All right. That's my list. My number one GI Joe, a real American hero. And that means, uh, we're finishing off with you, sir. All right. Uh, for this one, I'm going to break a rule sort of again. What do you mean you're breaking a rule? Uh, I'm going with the outro. We write the rules on this show. I know for the raccoons. I dig it. So uh, originally airing from 85 to 91, the raccoons, the run with us was the outro for seasons one through five, but the first season used a different recording artist, Lisa Lougheed. Lisa Lougheed. Yeah. yeah. Would be the one that they used for season two through five. Uh, it's written by Kevin Gillis, Stephen Lunt and John Stroll. And it was always the end title for the show, but Stephen Lunt was the one that sang it in the first season. 
Really? Yeah. I got to go back and see if I can find that now. Uh, it would go on to become a hit single when sung by Etobicoke native Lisa Loheed. Yeah. Who was also the voice of Lisa Raccoon. Not available on Spotify, by the way. Yeah. Unfortunately. She's uh, Bert's girlfriend in season four. Right, right, right. And this version would be used, as I said, through seasons two through five. Yep. Uh, it's also the first track on Loheed's album, Evergreen Nights. Not available on Spotify. No, this one's a hard to find one. She's a, when I was looking for it though, I came up with, she was an independent. Hmm. Maybe that has something to do with why I can't find it. Uh, it would be accompanied by the song Hold Back Tomorrow as its B-side mm-hmm. for the single release of that. Okay. And the music video for the song would also include clips from one of the series' specials, The Raccoons and the Lost Star. Oh, nice. That was like, yeah, I, I think of raccoons. They had a couple of TV specials before yeah, they made it to series. They did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In 1988. Because what the hell is a sneer? <laughs> this must be aardvarks. Or something. I believe they yeah. are aardvarks. Okay. Uh, in 1998, uh, Lohi was nominated for a Juno as most promising female vocalist, and she would go on to release two albums, World Love in 1992 and yeah. Peace and Harmony in 93. Fun fact, in 2011, the song would pop up again over the end credits of the film Hobo with a Shotgun. Yes. Starring Rudger Hauer. Rudger Hauer, Hobo with a Shotgun. Yes. Uh, There is a reboot, apparently, of the Raccoons in the works. Uh, It was first announced in 2017, and the series is to be titled The Raccoons, The New Adventures. It's scheduled to premiere sometime in 2022, but who knows when. Do we know if any of the voice cast is still around? I don't know for sure. That'll be an interesting one to see. Why does this one top my list? It's full of Canadian nostalgia. It screams 80s, but the song's message is just so uplifting. When you sent the list over and I saw that as your number one, I was like, oh, of course. Yep. I like, yeah, that's that comes right out of nowhere. But I mean, it's such a good song. Yeah, it's a message that especially in these times, people need yeah. to hear. Yeah, yeah. Don't absolutely. be afraid. You're not alone. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, That's my friends, what do you think? We, uh, we counted them down. We went all the way from 10 to one. We threw, uh, what, two sets of, uh, honorable mentions out there. What are some of the songs that you guys think, uh, deserve a spot on the top 10, uh, kids show theme songs of all time so far. I just got a text here and, uh, they asked what happened to the wonder pets. What happened to wonder pets? Another great oh, theme song out there. Lord. When was that from? Oh, that's fairly recent. That one was, uh, through the kids watching. So that's, but, See there, you are already at an advantage there because you still have kids in the house that want to watch yep. new like shows that are aimed down at kids. I shouldn't say down that are aimed age appropriate. And for me, I mean, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's the, the nostalgia beats that uh, I still gravitate towards the stuff that I grew up with. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, this is another one that we could come back to in a year from now. And we could, we could probably totally update different. it. Yeah. 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 Funny though. Uh, going through the list, just look at a, at a glance. How many of the shows on my list or your list turned up in our, uh, in our TV show list? Mm. You know, I, I was thinking about it. I mean, I put the Flintstones on my list. What last week? Yeah. Theme song never made it true. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, again, that is our uh, top 10 list of uh, kid shows, uh, best kid show theme songs of all time so far as chosen by us. Oh, here we got a comment coming in here from Facebook. Mary Lynn says, uh, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, that one was on my, uh, in the list of 22. When you say Scooby-Doo, now that did come up in our discussion last week. We were I would talking say about the original Scooby-Doo. Hoyt, uh, Hoyt Curtin, because he wrote every iteration of Scooby-Doo right up until, uh, what, until 80-something. So, I mean, at least three or four different mm-hmm. iterations. They vary a little bit. 
like Scooby Dooby Doo. Where yeah, are you? Scooby Dooby Doo. Oh, but then I mean, it gets different when you get to like Scooby and Scrappy. And yeah. The new adventure or the new Scooby Doo mysteries. Yeah. Interesting. I do agree though. Scooby Doo, very strong theme song. Yeah, I can see why that would have uh, would have made anybody's list to be honest. But that's it. That's it for me. I guess. Uh, what can we do? Can we give them a? Can we give them a sneak peek of what's coming up here? I don't really have a, an overlay to, to show the people, but maybe I can do this. Maybe I can show what's coming up next week. If I do this, if I switch this out, Oh, for anybody who's been following along and you know that we like to talk star Wars here, the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer came out, uh, what, uh, just a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so next Sunday, next Sunday, if you're around, we're going to, we're going to be going uh, deep dive style on the trailer. It's what it's under two minutes long. And, uh, I think, I think I've got about 60 images that I've curated so far that I have to put into slides. Uh, that'll get us ready for next week, but we are going to take a uh, fandom power deep dive style on the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. Give you a little sneak peek of our new review series coming up to support the Obi-Wan uh, series. And that is uh, fandom power presents the high ground, our deep dive look at uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So that's going to be coming up next week. And then uh, if all goes well, if I can uh, get, uh, <laughs> get my email working properly so that we have better communication, we had a special guest coming up here in a, in a couple of weeks. If, if all fingers crossed, if all goes well, but uh, I'm not going to talk about that until he, he, they, they are confirmed. All hopefully right. Hank's back with us next week. Yes. Yes. Hopefully uh, Hank will be back with us. We'll uh, get in touch with him. I know that he's busy doing real life stuff. Stuffs. All right. Well, that's it for me guys. Anything you want to finish on Andy? I don't think so. I think we covered it. Well, listen, uh, I want to thank everybody who uh, stuck along with us tonight. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., you can go check us out uh, on Facebook at our uh, at the Fandom Power uh, Facebook page or on the Fandom Power podcast uh, fan group where we will have the link posted to a complete playlist of all the songs we talked about today. Unfortunately, uh, most of my choices are a knockoff because the originals just aren't there, but uh, tried to put the best versions of what I could find out there, but that'll be available tomorrow morning. And uh, as always, we will be back with a whole lot more right here on Fandom Power. So uh, until next time, guys, I'm Wes. I'm Andy. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye for now, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.